Good evening, everybody. Delighted that you're here. Take another walk through the, through the Word. Will you stand with me, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. <laughs> I think that'd make a great t-shirt. I am a new lump. As you are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So that's my subject tonight. Christ, our Passover. God bless you. You may be seated. I've got lots of t-shirt ideas. I would, like, I, I would like to have a t-shirt that says, I, uh, I practiced social distancing before it was cool. <laughs> Ten plagues came on Egypt. It, it would be impossible for me to uh, paint word pictures for you of the misery and the awful consequences of those plagues. The horrible smell of what was once a beautiful river that is now a, a rotten slurry of, of thick goo and sludge. And the sickly, sweet smell of, of that sewer was further compounded by the, the stench of the rotting flesh of tens of thousands of sheep and goats and cows whose carcasses couldn't possibly have been adequately buried. So sticking out of the ground like so many broken tree limbs were the frozen and rigor mortis legs of countless flocks and herds which couldn't be drugged to the burn pile because of their heavy, swollen, and I'm sure burst carcasses that are now filled with the maggots from the plague of flies that preceded the slaughter of the flocks. I never really thought of it until studying for this lesson how the, the plagues were really in sequence at first, the river was polluted, which drove all of the frogs out of that river and into their houses. That now polluted river creates the perfect breeding ground for flies, mosquitoes, lice, or what another translation called gnats. These flies now land on these dead beasts and... Uh, the lice infect the hair. It's possible everybody was bald in Egypt, shaving all that off. And if this wasn't enough, the, the scratching of dirty fingernails on this outbreak of lice led to ghastly boils that were on their skin. And then the fields were pummeled by hail 
and what crops weren't destroyed by being beaten to the ground with the hail were quickly ravaged by the locusts that followed the hail. And after this succession of eight unimaginable disasters, the people were plunged into an eclipse that didn't last moments, but rather three days with a darkness that was so frightening, it said darkness that could be felt, only to be followed with the death of the firstborn. If the baby boy was the firstborn, he died. If his father was a firstborn son, he died. If the grandfather was still living and was a firstborn son, he died. Egyptians, fortunate enough to be invited to an Israelite house for a meal of lamb, now in a blood-covered house were spared. But then the contrary is true also, that I'm sure somewhere there was an unfortunate Israeli firstborn son that was found in an Egyptian home that night without the blood, and he died as well. The emphasis was not on Israelites or Egyptians. The emphasis was on the blood. Egypt ruled the world at this time. What an, what an, what an embarrassment. I, I remember when uh, the Ark of the Covenant was taken in 1 Samuel by the Philistines, and, and the Bible said that thousands and thousands of them died with emeralds, which is uh, colon cancer. Hemorrhoids. Amazing how that God could shame you like that. And, and uh, this great nation was, was brought to its knees. And uh, consider this. We know from Exodus 12, which is where the first Passover is mentioned, and Leviticus 23, which are where the... The feasts are mentioned, the three spring feasts of Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and then the one middle feast, Shavat or Passover, which was in the summer, and, and the final three feasts in the fall of trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. That, that's Leviticus 23. So we know Passover is introduced to us in Exodus 12, and, and Leviticus 23 is very clear that Exodus 12 says this and Leviticus 23 says this, that the Passover lamb had to be slain on the 14th day of the first month. We know from Leviticus 23 that those first three feasts, like the last three, they are sequential. Passover's on the 14th day. Unleavened bread is on the 15th. It's followed by first fruits. And we know that first fruits and Shavuot, or what we call Pentecost, share a unique distinction in the feast because it said that you had to celebrate them on the morrow after the Sabbath. We know the Sabbath is Saturday. So, Obviously, the morrow after the Sabbath was Sunday. So as I've taught you for so many years now, first fruits, 
The third feast, or the third day, was the Old Testament type of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Feast of Weeks in the Old Testament is Pentecost in the New Testament. So resurrection and the outpouring of the Spirit had to occur on the morrow after the Sabbath, which means that the Holy Ghost was poured out at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning. You see, the day for the Old Covenant was Saturday. But a new covenant requires a new day. And uh, some time ago, I, I, I made a wonderful discovery about Jesus Christ uh, versus Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus is the given name of Mary's boy from Nazareth. But Christ, or the Christos, is the Messiah in flesh. And the early apostles refer to him as Jesus Christ. But Paul, almost without exception, refers to him as Christ Jesus. Because the difference is in the order of your introduction to him. Many of them knew him first as simply the teacher from Nazareth, or Jesus. And after his resurrection, they realized, like Simon Peter did in Matthew 16, that he was the Christ. So they knew him first as Jesus and second as Christ. But Paul never followed him during his ministry. He never knew him in the days of his flesh. The Jesus that Paul met was the risen, glorified Savior on the road to Damascus. So Jesus, or Paul never met Jesus first. He met the Christ first. And the name later. So he is Christ Jesus. And that is why when you read the Bible carefully, you will find that there is something known as the day of the Lord. And there's something known as the Lord's day. They're not the same thing. Revelation chapter 1 and verse, here, here's Acts 20 and verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. This is a theme mentioned so many times in the book of Acts. I don't want to bore you with reading all these verses. But it may interest you to know that this is what John was referring to in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 when he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's Sunday. The Jews met on Saturday in the synagogues, but the Christians met on Sunday because that was the day Jesus resurrected. That is the Lord's day. However, in Joel chapter 2 and verse 31, it says, The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. That's a whole different Bible study. And if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that we have taught you that a Jewish day began at sundown. The evening and the morning were the first day. That a Jewish day went from sundown to sundown. That is why Jesus in John 11 and verse 9 said, Are there not 12 hours in a day? A Jewish day was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. There were 12 hours of light. 
But the 12 hours of the night were divided into watches. 6 to 9 p.m. was the first watch. 9 to midnight is the second watch. Midnight to 3, the third watch. And of course, 3 to 6 is the fourth watch. Here's Luke chapter 12 and verse 38. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch and find them so. Jesus was talking about his return. Here's Isaiah 21 and verse 11. Watchmen, what of the night? Maybe that's why Jesus asked his disciples, obviously in the evening, couldn't you watch with me for an hour? Is that why Jesus said in Mark 13, watch and pray? Because you watch during the night. It's not what you do during the day. I know that first fruits is celebrated on the morrow after the Sabbath. And that explains John 19 and verse 31. The Jews, therefore, because it was the preparation that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day, for that Sabbath day was a high day, besought Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. It's obvious Jesus is Passover, but the day after Passover is unleavened bread, which has to be on a Sabbath. And I know that Passover is always kept on the 14th. Take today, for instance. This is the 28th of April. But if we were Orthodox Jews, we would understand that it really began yesterday when the sun went down. In other words, the 27th. So what was the 14th to Israel? Was the 13th to Egypt. It's Friday the 13th. Is it possible that that's where the fear of Friday the 13th really came from because that's when so much disaster came to Egypt. You study the original Passover, it's very clear in Exodus 12 that the head of the house or the father carried out the sacrifice of that lamb that they'd been watching since the 10th. Later in Deuteronomy 16, that duty was transferred to the tabernacle and later on of course to the temple but it's a great scripture that the father needs to be the, the real priest of the house not just the preacher I've said this for years America's weak because she has weak churches churches are weak because they have weak families Families are weak because they have weak daddies. Daddy, it's your job to make sure there's a sacrifice in that house. And it's not just up to the preacher. To this day, if you ever go over in the Oak Park in April, you will find all the furniture out in the yard. They literally empty their house to get rid of any leaven. In fact, they, they, many of them, they make it fun for their children. They hide a small amount of yeast 
And the children are rewarded when they find that little pile of yeast that mom hid somewhere. It's just a great illustration that the lamb was sinless. This is the only time when Jesus came into Jerusalem on that day and they strawed their garments and they put those palm branches. This is the only time he allowed them to worship him as king. If you remember when he began his ministry, he said, woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. But when he comes into Jerusalem, it says they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peter definitely had this in mind in 1 Peter 1 and 18 when he said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but watch, with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. No wonder Pilate said, I find no fault in him. The Bible is full of wonderful hints, I guess I could call them, the, where the light of prophecy, if you'll study it, shines on these verses. I'll, I'll give you two examples here. Here is Abraham and Isaac. And um, Isaac, uh, you know, he said to serve, you stay here, the lad and I are going yonder to worship. This is a great phrase. He's actually going to sacrifice. But it wasn't a sacrifice for Abraham. He, what other people called sacrifice, he called worship. Judas said it was a waste. Jesus said, nah, she's anointing me for my burial. <laughs> Just depends on how you look at it. Some people, oh man, you mean we got to go to church again? Or... I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to church. Another Monday night prayer, are they ever going to cut that out? Or if you were here Monday, this place was full when there was children walking around here with their hands raised. I was so deeply moved when I saw that. <laughs> He said, Daddy, we got wood. Uh, we got a knife. What are we going to sacrifice? Watch the hint. Watch how it's worded. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself <laughs> a lamb for a burnt offering. It's prophecy. I'm coming myself. Today there will be a lamb, but one day I'm coming myself. And I'm, I'm, think of it, Abraham and Isaac are going up by faith one side of the mountain and a ram is getting caught in the briars on the other side of the mountain. They don't even know that's going on, but they're going up there by faith because there's going to be a sacrifice provided. I found a great hint when studying the Passover. Watch what it says in Exodus 12 and verse 6. And you shall keep it, this is talking about the Passover lamb, you brought into your house on the 10th, but you shall keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. And the whole assembly, 
of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. We know that there were many lambs slain that night in Egypt. But the prophetical implication here is one day there's going to be a lamb for everybody. And when you think of it, it said the whole congregation killed that lamb. Not just one person. So that explains, surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we... It was our grief, our sorrow, our transgression, our iniquity. He was sinless. We killed him. The whole congregation. That's why he was up on that cross. He didn't have to die for himself. He was dying for you and me. Who killed Jesus? All of us. If you study Orthodox Judaism... There was a sect of Jews called Sephardic. These are, these are the Jews who lived primarily in Spain and Portugal. I found it very interesting that when I studied Sephardic Jews, they literally have taken Isaiah 53 out of the Old Testament because it's so specific that it can't be talking about anybody else but Jesus. And they didn't want that in their Bible. Listen to Psalms 22 and see if it reminds you of anything. When the very first verse says, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Look at verse 13, they gaped upon me with their mouths. Look at verse 15, my tongue was cleaving to my jaw. Look at verse 16, they pierced my hands and my feet. Look at verse 18. They parted my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. It's talking about extreme thirst where that tongue's cleaving to your mouth. People biting him, piercing his hands and his feet, gambling over his only earthly possessions, his, the clothes on his back. And to this, of course, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's Psalms 22. Now, how do you understand why it's followed with this? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. <laughs> Maketh me to lie down in green pastures. <laughs> Restores my soul. That's Psalms 23. That's followed by this. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up the everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He's the King of glory. Selah. Just stop for a moment and think about what you've just read. <laughs> I started studying much. I was... Didn't have time today. I wanted to go to a, an Orthodox uh, grocery store. But it fascinated me when I studied what's known as the Seder, which is what 
Orthodox Jews do at the Passover celebration. They always have three pieces of bread. But the middle piece of bread is different than the other two. Because it's filled with all these perforations. And it's scorched and burned with these stripes. And even to this day, the rabbis don't know really why they do this. (laughs) But they do it every time they have Passover. They got three pieces of bread, but that piece of bread in the middle is totally different. It's got a bunch of holes and a bunch of stripes on it. (laughs) That's why in Hebrew it's called the Haggadah, which means the showing forth. No wonder Paul said, for as often as you eat this bread... And drink this cup. You do show forth the Lord's death till he comes. Ladies and gentlemen, that Bible can be trusted. That Bible is exact. Will you stand with me? Let's magnify him together. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful to be here this day. We understand now, Lord... I can't blame it on anybody else. The Jews didn't kill them. The Romans didn't kill them. We all killed them. We all had a place in this thing. You needed a Calvary like you needed polio. You needed me like you needed virus. Lord Jesus, you have limited yourself by coming to this earth in flesh. You have limited your glory by filling us with your spirit. But you are trusting this imperfect thing called men and women to be your witnesses to this world, Lord. But you have equipped us with enough word and enough prophetical light for us to have a great confidence and assurance that what we're doing is right. And you are the sacrifice. You are the lamb that taketh away the sin of the whole world. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Praise the Lord. Jesus, anybody in this room? Amen. Amen. Uh, We prayed. How long ago was it we prayed for snow? I'm not talking this kind of snow. I'm talking snow. She called and said, can I come to church and get prayed for? I got cancer and I'm going to die. But you prayed. So you tell them what happened. She's cancer free now. Cancer free. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Father, we lift you up. We refuse to let you remain lifted. We refuse to let you just remain high. You've got to be high and lifted. Because if you're just high, it won't draw people into you. But you've got to be lifted from a high place to a higher place. And then people will be drawn into you. You're high all by yourself, Lord. But you have given us, the church, the amazing privilege to lift you. 
into a different orbit, into a different realm to be able to do something, God, because the church exalts you. No one's coming if somebody doesn't worship. Nobody's going to be lifted up, Lord, if nobody worships. But when you are lifted up, you said you will draw everybody. That's what we're asking, Lord, for a gravitational pull. <laughs> Let the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let all that are thirsty come and drink of the water of life freely. It's been an honor to teach you the word of the Lord tonight. I hope it's inspired you. God bless every one of you. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for the richness of your word. And my effort and attempt is simply, Lord, to put a confidence in these people that what we are doing and what we're preaching and teaching is accurate and it's biblical and it's right. We are not trying to produce arrogance nor pride, but we are trying to produce confidence and faith in your word that you watch over to perform it. In Jesus' name we ask and pray. And call it done. Amen. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, uh, sorry to jump up here real quick, but uh, if you were able to come to my live recording, I wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, we're going to actually be wrapping the entire album here in a couple of days, and uh, but I want the first track of the song or of the, of the whole album to be pastor praying uh, over the album. So we're gonna, we're gonna put the recording on right now and I'm gonna ask pastor to pray over that and I would love for the church to pray uh, with us with that. So pastor, you lead us in a prayer for this album that's gonna come out in a couple weeks. Precious Holy Lord, we find ourselves so graced and gifted with this amazing servant of yours by the name of Draylon that you have placed him and put him in a place where he, he is an ambassador at large to the body of Christ. And I'm asking you today that you take a little boy from Dallas who came from an itinerant background, but you took David from the sheep coat and you put him on the throne. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you take these efforts of this young man and anoint them and let them go far and wide and let this be more than just another set of songs and another, another little digital effort to magnify you. But let it be something that from one station to another, from one country to another, Lord, you're the God of the air. And I'm asking you, Lord, that as these songs are played, that they will minister, that they will bring healing, that they will bring wholeness, that they will bring holiness, Lord and an understanding to people of just how great you truly are. And we will honor and magnify you for that in the name of Jesus Christ and call it done. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph.